Greetings, friends. Welcome back to a very special Film Alchemist podcast. Today we're discussing the brand new movie, The Stylist. So please hang with us. So excited to talk about this movie with you guys. But before we get to that, a little business. Uh, please take a second right now, right now for your old pal Griff here, your old pal Dandino. Leave us a five-star uh, rating and a couple sentences in a review. Help us defeat the algorithmic overlords. Uh, we appreciate those of you who have been doing it. It means a lot to us when we see them come in. Thank you, guys. Make sure you go over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, where we have uh, video versions of these podcasts and some other stuff we work on uh, over there. Make sure you subscribe. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, and find us on all the social media you're on. We really like Twitter, at film, Alchem uh, film underscore alchemist. These are great ways to get a hold of us to let us know movies you'd like to hear us talk about. New, old, double features, themes for a month, guest host, uh, anything you guys want to hear about, we would love to eventually get to that. So hit us up, let us know. All right, guys, today, well, as of yesterday, March 1st, a new film called The Stylist. Uh, dropped. I believe you can see it on Arrow's streaming app. Um, I hope it's everywhere else to rent because I, I or buy. I think you guys need to buy this film because by the end of our talk, as you'll hear, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. It's going to require more than one viewing, I think, for you guys. Um, we do have to issue a full-fledged, full-throated spoiler alert. We are going to talk about the film in its entirety. So, again, go seek this film out and then come back and chat with your pals, the Alchemist. Um, another spoiler alert: We absolutely loved this movie. Just beauty and intensity in equal measure. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we do. Enjoy the show. like sort of retelling not necessarily retelling but like this same sort of ground covered about loneliness and about sort of the vibe that you wind up having if you kind of dedicate yourself to one thing but also have this like inner demon just sort of sitting there quietly poking at you non-stop it's uh it's spectacular man and i mean like it's uh, directed by uh, okay, I'm gonna butcher her name, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Uh, Jill, better Gavar you than me. <laughs> Jill Gavargazian. I could be. I'm probably wrong, but either way, um, this is her first feature. This is uh, an adaptation of a short film. This is a short film she made that she won awards with. Uh, and a lot of the times when you make short films into long, longer form content, it is very difficult, and sometimes you can really tell that it's being stretched a little thin. Like the concept itself did not feel that way with the stylist at all. Like there was something no, they went no, and no, dug no. for something new and I appreciated it. It was, it was the right runtime too. It was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, I think cause this to me would be May's a very good analog. Uh, the movie maniac, right? Is yeah, very similar another to this. One, yeah. Absolutely. A little, a little more in your face, right? I feel like the difference being is that when maniac came out, the actions of the maniac are kind of the star of the film, right? When we first started uh -huh. doing serial killer movies, 
a lot of them were more, oh, my God, look at what these people do. And that was yep. supposed to just be enough, right? And a lot of them are played very similarly, right? right. This this hunting shark, right? Yeah. And not to lie, Claire definitely has a lot. Is it Claire? Claire's the – yeah, Claire's our Yeah, our Claire's played right? by uh, – I can't remember the actress's name, but I'm looking at it right N- now. N- it's Najara Niara Townsend. Niara Townsend. Niara. Yeah. That's a better – see, I'm really bad at pronouncing names. <laughs> I, you no, might but, be Najara. I don't she know. Does, but... Yeah, what she does in this movie that I love, right, is I think – because, again, we by this point, right, in our lives, I mean, I feel like I've seen 500 different serial killer movies. The serial yeah, killer is nothing new. It's it's a worn territory, right? I feel like serial killers are now like zombies and vampires and, and werewolves. The For nice sure. thing about the serial killer and why it's a bit evergreen to us, right, is because what this movie does really well is I like focusing on not as much how or why they're doing what – they're doing i like those in between moments right like we all get there's something broken at the start family trauma right <laughs> like i remember reading that they all wet the bed they all abuse animals like the serial killer checklist right that we've seen in all the shows so i understand that right and then how they're doing or the trophies they collect are cool but only in so much as it informs this this in between area and what i think this movie right. does exceptionally well is there is this really kind of there's this stark divide between claire right where we almost feel like we never see a, a true reflection of Claire. At least I didn't. And the Claire that she puts out to the world is is more of a fully formed, almost yearning to be better person, which is something you don't see in a lot of serial killer movies, yeah. right? She's not doing the... <laughs> right. I, like mean, that, I think that's... You know, big smile yeah. into face. She, she actually feels like a real person. Or at least an attempt, a, a, a cipher for a real person. Right. Well, I think that's the interesting thing about Claire's character in this movie is that she's not a facade. And normally, like you said, like we're getting a lot of like that Patrick Bateman thing where you're putting well, we'll out to back. the world. I think there is a question about that, but it's it's a different facade, right? Well, yeah, but like the facade she's trying to put on in this movie particularly is the facade of she's trying different ones. That's like the big thing for me when I was watching this movie that I was noting is while she is this sort of habitual, the habitual serial killing in her, the habitual homicide she has in her, she's the beholdenness to it is sort of this, like it's almost werewolf. Like, like she hates, there's a lot of it about it. Like to me that she didn't like, she doesn't like that. She does this to people, but she does it anyway. So like it's this compulsion and the thing that I really enjoyed about the way uh, Najara Townsend plays the character is that I actually think the real her is in the car whenever she has like a major freak out. Like there's there are two times in the movie where she has like a major meltdown mm-hmm. about um, whether uh, uh, one of her kills went wrong or just trying to uphold this version of herself. Like she's trying to be social. She's trying to stuff this beast back into the box and she can't. And that, I think, is what makes her very fascinating. It makes her kind of a noble character almost in a lot of ways. Okay, well, Granted, wait, she wait, ends wait, up scalping wait, wait. people. But, you yeah, know. I was going to say, uh, noble feels strong after the seven and a half minute mark when she literally just Ricky Martin candle waxes that lady's head off. She's just trying. So She's just trying. Okay. let's, let's She's trying like the rest of us, Griff. Come like- on, give her a break. This might not be something we can do the rest of the movie without with dancing around, right? 
The question I have in this movie, and it's a really good point you bring up, is is when or ever do we see the real Claire, right? Right. And again, I think there is part of, like, after we see that horrendous head scalping at the start of the movie, right? Yeah, wow. She's just talking to her dog. Come on, you want to go outside? Like, in this really nice voice, she seems like a normal-ish person. Right. Uh, She's then pulled into this, you know, I need wedding hair thing, right? For a customer she's seen presumably a bunch of times, right? This is where the movie kind of gets into that I don't know what to believe aspect of Claire, right? So she's known this other girl for quite a while. When she invites her over to her house, right, after doing the hair, right? Yeah. She goes to the wine store first, and there's a scene where she's all teary-eyed looking at the wine bottles. She's going over there seemingly as a hunting mission. Somewhere in that house, she seems to pull back or change her mind. Now, is this she forms an infatuation? They start playing it as somewhat romantic. Knowing Claire could also be envious. Maybe she knows the the fiancé's coming home. But again, we never fucking know. And even that that shot's yeah. really funny because that scene when her and uh, when Claire's fixing her hair up again and they're talking about their backstories, right? They do right. the persona shot, the Bergman persona shot, right? Yeah. Where Claire's profile and then, uh, or no, Claire's head on, but half of her face is covered by Brea Grant's, you know, yeah. uh, profile. And I was like, okay, so now they're te- that is that telling me that she really just is like, oh, I would like to be. In Brea Grant, maybe not wrestling with Brea Grant, right? Like the movie's kind of playing, but I want to be more in than in, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, Alex, what do you what do you take, right? Where where are these breaks, and when is the real? I mean, to me, the what's break the is... realest moment of Claire off the top of your head? What's the realest moment that Claire has in the film? The realest moment that Claire has in the film is uh, driving home after she. Um, after the basically they're interrupted by the boyfriend's like, hey babe, I'm hungry. Come on, what the hell? And uh, she gets in the car. Oh, she's got a she's got a personality and a name. Fuck that! I want a slice, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, that uh, fucking guy. Fiance's a true winner. Um, but when the when she's on her way home and she has <laughs> she has this like major freak out in the car, and I honestly like I rewound mm. it. I rewound it three times. To figure out what she was trying to say, because I was like, is she just cursing at herself? Or is she actually saying something? Because at first, it was like, is she talking to the part of her that does these things? Mm-hmm. Like, is it like a son of Sam mm-hmm. thing where you're talking to the dog, telling him like you don't want to kill anybody? But like, I was like, what is the deal? <laughs> so I rewound it three times. And, but I think that's the authentic Claire, though. The authentic Claire is a mess. The person she puts okay, out to the see, world, and I, the person that she I functions a- in the real world as. Is not here. Here's a question for you. I think if I'm being honest, the the real moment of Claire, right? The closest we come is when she follows that girl home from the club. The girl that insulted her and called her a freak right at the the bachelorette party. Yep. yep. I think her line is, you know, if I'm crazy enough to invite the, the cake lady, talk me out of it. And Claire comes out and is hurt. Yeah, And I don't know if she's hurt because of her profession slander. They see her as a less than. Or if she's simply mad just because in that moment she knows she'll never mean as much to Olivia as they do. Take all that aside, right? Whatever, because that's the thing with Claire. You never know where she is, right? I don't know Mm -hmm. that I can pin down her true self or her motivations or anything like that, right? 
But in that moment, and this is one of the things about Claire's serial killer I like, too, is a lot of serial killers nowadays, I feel like they're they're played as these evil geniuses, right? They're, I think it's the yeah. Dexter effect. Like, ah, oh, I can pre-plan every detail. And this, they, they lose that psychological component when they, like, are so meticulous they can do everything right every time. And when she's just like, I'm going to follow her home. Oh, she has a guy here. Well, I'm still going to go in and creepily stand over them on the couch holding a knife. And then I'm going to go into her bathroom and search through her shit, right? And even though, yeah, she gets interrupted and runs, right? She leaves. But that that's the difference with Olivia in this or uh, Claire in this movie is when Claire is standing in that room over those two victims or potential victims. Right. One, I feel like that's the closest to her actual core that we see in the movie because it's spontaneous and it's fully motivated. Secondly, that shit is scarier than all of the bombastic bad guy monologues and murders you can do. The thought that she just walks into that house and is like, I'm just going to stand here and fucking stare at you, not worrying if they're going to wake up or anything like like that is a just one of those brilliant visual tells. This is a broken person who's not playing in our rule system. And that shit is all over this movie where it's truly terrifying. Right. But back to the point, real who is the real Claire or is there even a real Claire? I mean, it. I think it very much depends on the perspective. Because where you're coming from, what you're, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the version of Claire that you believe is the real one is the, the predator essentially, is the alpha, is the alpha. Because that's in a way. Because this like, is, I don't know if she's it's in the, the predator car following them. Oh, the look true. on her face, the, when she's in the oh like, yeah, and again, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is like, I mean, wow, like again. <laughs> Like, I texted you in the middle of, the like, I think the second time I've watched this now. I texted you in the middle. I'm like, how has this woman not done more movies? Like, she was in Contracted, yeah. and she's great in that, too. <laughs> that might be the only other movie I've seen her. I'm like, she has got to be in more things. This is insane. Phenomenal. I mean, this is a movie where I'm like, if this doesn't lead to something big, I'll be shocked. There was a funny, I was watching that scene, and like you're saying, when she's following that girl home from the club. Uh, I have a friend, Brian, over at junk food cinema that I do this joke with all the time, right? He runs a wrestling podcast too. My kid's obsessed with pro wrestling, right? And during the attitude era where everyone's like a bad boy, he's going to kick their boss in the nuts. (laughs) The undertaker went from being this like comic book character to just a guy who wore bandanas and liked motorcycles. Right. (laughs) And so he would come out to the kid rock song, American badass. Well, now later in the day, they don't want to pay Kid Rock money anymore for rights. So they they had someone in-house record one of the worst but best wrestling songs where the Undertaker's music drops and it's just a guy going, you done it now. And it's like, you done it now. And I swear to God, when I rewatched the stylist, I was like, let me just quench my knowledge or my, my curiosity thirst. And when she got in the car and started falling out, it's like, you done it now. And it works perfectly because you just know that when they get to that house, someone's getting fucked. Up. Yeah. Like that was like, that was the first time in the movie. I think that's the kind of crazy thing too, is like, that's the first time in the movie. And this is like, that's almost at the hour mark, isn't it? That's like pretty close oh, that's, to the hour. Yeah, that's mark. like the midpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the first time I saw her actively pursue someone in the movie. 
It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Like, but that's why I'm not sure that that's the real her because there is a level of that that is all animalistic, and I'm not sure that necessarily she is all animalistic. But not even, and this is what I like about her is her, her serial killer doesn't feel as predatory. Agreed. Hers feels more like a scavenger. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like opportunistic. There are serial killers that feel like I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go and use my power and dominance to destroy something. Right. Hers is almost. I want. It's like you know, a, a hermit crab that outgrows a shell and wants to go find yeah. a new bigger shell. And I think that's mm-hmm. what she's doing more. And I guess that I could mean, be splitting hairs I, on I murders. Think that's, but what? Well, but. <laughs> But that's it. But it's an important distinction for Claire because, like, we see her. Like to me, she's not actively hunting. Like a lot of the time, what it is is it's just the opportunity presents itself. the The thirst must be quenched, so she does it. Like the beginning of the movie is a great example. Like, and then the callback towards the end when she's in her uh, wig room, quote unquote, um, where she's like, yeah, I call having... that the hair dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, but she's having this, these kind of like, oh, it's weird. She's like putting on the wigs, the scalps, mm-hmm. and having these like odd out of body experiences, like these flashbacks where she's pretending to be these people. Not even like pretending to be a person. She's pretending to be these people. Okay, now and- let me ask you a question because that's a weird, that's a weird thing that hit me too, right? So this is getting back to the where does the real Claire sit, right? So the first time we go right. down to the hair dungeon. She's sitting there and she's kind of crying, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and as as soon as she puts on the hair, that shit's gone. The crocodile yeah. tears are gone. And now she's smiling and she's happy, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. She's just killed this uh cheating commuter, you know, her like airplane commuter, whatever her deal was. <laughs> right? They give us the call, "Oh, well, she cheats, so it's okay that she gets, you know, her head peeled." <laughs> yeah, she gives or whatnot. She gets the de- she gets the Dexter justification. Yeah, she talked down to her hairstylist and has a boy toy, so you know, off with her head. But so, anyways, we're in the hair dungeon. When she puts that wig on and starts combing it, right? She's back to fully happy and existent. That was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh my god, I don't understand." Were those real tears, or was that her putting on some kind of emoting? Because there's no right. audience. Who's the audience for that? Again, this is one of my favorite things: actors acting into mirrors. Who's she crying for? I don't think that's a real cry. When she puts that wig on, I don't know if you thought this. I thought for sure there was going to be the scene where we figured out which of those wigs was her mom. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. One thousand percent. I expected that. I thought that was coming for sure. Almost like a reverse carry. In fact... The hair dungeon scene I'm talking about, I actually thought when she pulled that burlap sack off one of them, I'm like, that's got to be your mom right there. We're going to get Yeah, but there was one that was kind of, there was one that was kind of a similar color. And Uh I I don't know. You know what the weirdest scene in the the hair dungeon was for me? There was a scene when she's losing it, and I think she starts busting things up, right? And there was an African-American mannequin head that fell down. And I was like, she was going back for the bridesmaid. Like it was, a, but it had no hair. Oh, it was just a fuck. bald mannequin head. I was like, she's going back for the, the bridesmaid that she was hiding in the shower while she peed. She's going back for that lady, the lady that called her the cake lady. 
That, I, the hair dungeon scenes were magic to me. That that's yeah, the kind no. of stuff in serial killer movies I want to see, N- yeah. way more than the the guts and the you know I'm an evil bad guy. I like them yeah. just because that's those moments in serial killers movies to me matter a lot because mm-hmm. we are by proxy given the lens of them right that right. there is no audience now they are an audience of one right when a serial killer is telling you their psychological damage or telling their victim their psychological damage it's per- very performative right mm-hmm. this is one of those cool ones where she's just in there with herself unless she's right. performing to mommy's hair which could be well and that's like this the is thing a very was- true state but that's what gets back to your initial question, which is the really fascinating thing that's about what I mean. this I movie. Never Where's the real Claire? Because, quite frankly, I don't know if I see it in the hair dungeon. There's still a put upon. She's still down there. Like, well, yeah, by nature, like, her putting on the hair, she's changing. Right, but even when she's selecting, there's this strange, like, there's this otherness, like that's not a person almost. It's again, this goes to like. I'm just going to start saying Najara, Najara Townsend. Like this goes to just like how compelling her performance is. Is it's just this, that those scenes in the hair dungeon are gut wrenching because like, yeah, she does just like kind of crack up at one point. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, is she about like, when she starts breaking shit and I'm like, yep, there it is right there. Like she's out of her mind. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then she like walks the whole thing up. She's like, I'm not going to be this person right. anymore. That was what I, that's the part that I was like really fascinated by. I was like, is she trying to not be this yes. person? But that's that to me feels like one of those where I say, that's it. I had 32 beers and two packs of cigarettes last night. I'm over it. You right. know, out of sight, out of mind. I'm a new man. And then the very next Friday, you're like, well, I've had 14 beers. I should have five cigarettes. <laughs> and you're like... Tomorrow I'll put the padlock back. Yeah. Like Claire, I was very familiar with the the Faustian bargain. There. Claire's is, Claire's is just well, it's fine. I already got my sandy blonde, so I'll just I'll move on. Yeah. See, that's why I'm a hero. Cause the only person I'm killing is me. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. I did have a burning question where I was like, I think Claire would see me and immediately be like. That guy's scalp is worth going to jail for. I think I would make an amazing yeah, hair. Yeah, I would agree with. <laughs> I would actually say the same of myself. I have quite the silky locks. I think that. I mean, I I'd be fearful. I think to we'd be, be in Claire. danger. Yeah, I think we'd be in danger for sure. Let if I see Najara, if though. I see Najara Townsend on the street beneath her mask safely as she walks six feet away from me, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I need to be seven feet away." <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about you killing me with scissors and the virus. Please maintain your distance. <laughs> no, but all right. So we got to get back to a, this gets back to the point. So I feel like that's the overall theme of what we're discussing is who is Claire, right? Yeah. Now you said her selection process. I found that to be really interesting. This gets back to a point we were kind of dancing around earlier. I don't know when or why she selects Olivia because Olivia kind of comes in and throws it on her like you need to do my wedding hair she says no multiple times I don't know why wedding hair is different I wrote in my notes I was like because she only does funeral hair boom roasted (laughs) I'm not giving that at all (laughs) no 
I'll edit that just, one out. Just kidding. The, dude, the people will your, rise up behind ask my your, Ask your wife. Wedding hair is different. Ask your wife. What, about wedding hair? Yeah. Well, I know about – I was there for the wedding hair and the prom hair. Like, I get it. It's you a were thing, there but, for both but of this them? is the thing, right? So she – well, I wasn't, like, in the fucking room. Back then, I didn't have these luxurious locks. But what I'm saying – so she kind of foist herself upon Claire, right? Claire's already met her a bunch of times, right? Because mm-hmm. the first lady we see, the interstate commuter, uh, Jezebel, running around with boy toy. Right. She feel that's the one where they set up, oh, this is almost like a moralistic killing, right? She's doing mm-hmm. the classic, every serial killer movie we see now is, would I only kill bad folks? Right. <laughs> You're like, all right. And then... The next thing we see, right, is she's getting close to we, – we feel like at that wine store and this and that, she's choosing Olivia now. Yeah. But why? She's already seen Olivia a bunch. This isn't some kind of moral conundrum. So they they seemingly are changing the hunting pattern if it's even hunting. Uh, yeah. I, and this gets back I, to <laughs> – is it hunting or when she gets to spend that time with Olivia – is this her, I just want to be her more than consume and destroy it? Does that make sense? Am I making any you know, sense? I don't we, know what I'm trying to say. We got through the whole movie, and I got to tell you, like, none of it felt like hunting to me. That's like the thing is, like, the time that it did feel like hunting, she wasn't able to actually do it. Like, that is, I think, like, kind of the yeah. crux of the movie. Like, the crux of Claire's character, quite frankly, is that she isn't a hunter. She's just... Like I said, like like the barista thing is the big is the big one to me. The barista is the big red flag of like this is not like a this is not a usual serial killer type thing. Like this is a woman who's always nice to her, gives her knows her drink, like <laughs> wonderful, lets her in after hours. I think what it is is Claire. See that Claire's... one to me is the most predatory though. Do no. you remember the shot they did? It's one of the best shots in the movie. Is her oh, just, where they she is laser eyeing oh. through the no 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 through. When she's just watching the barista there by the front door before she yeah. even comes in, that to me was the predator's gaze, right? And that one comes after she has foisted it or uh, uh, her plan goes awry right. at Olivia's house, perhaps. That's when she shows up. And that one felt like she was weaponizing the kindness. To me, that that one felt the most. I mean, it obviously went, went amok. Right. Like it went crazy. Uh, But that one, because this is something in the movie, right? There's two things about Olivia's selection that were really strange to me. I love this motif of her recording Olivia and playing back her conversations. I thought that was just she really likes this person. She's finally getting that interpersonal connection. Maybe Mm -hmm. she has like a burgeoning love for this woman. Right. Sure. I think by the end of the movie, though, I was like, oh, this is her. This is her like running lines. Like this is her. It it becomes creepy in the last scene. Right. And I love stuff like that in movies where you think it's it's showing you one thing and really it's not. So I don't I think by the end of the movie, you settle on there is a more predatory nature in a way. I guess. But again, like scavenger, like opportunity attacks. Claire. Can't believe I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm gonna bring up Nightcrawler in this context. But Claire reminds me of like that coyote, <laughs> the coyote metaphor yeah. that uh, Dan Gilroy uses for Lou Bloom and Nightcrawler. She 
is a scavenger, but she's an efficient scavenger. She licked, she, she takes the bones, man. She takes it down to the bone. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction for all the kills, because again, anybody she kills that barista thing is the one that I all that like struck with me a lot is the well, barista. That, that means she's not an apex predator because you wouldn't right. kill someone that's no. so close and, in your orbit. Right. So yeah. she kills someone that I, this is the thing I was is she killing people that are close to her or that she feels are too close to her, like knowing her drink and being caught and being like, casually friendly is too close like that's i think the kind of crazy thing about claire's character is like every the entire world is at an arm's length and anyone who gets a yeah. finger beyond that is prey quite frankly <laughs> well no but this is the thing right because that's the where i think the disconnect is right is the three are not the same because i like what you're saying there is that when someone shows her personal intimacy that's what she wants right this lady without right. a family she didn't know her dad or mom was a, a hairdresser, maybe became hairdressing, right? So maybe there's like a horrible story there. <laughs> right. So maybe when someone shows intimacy, she's like, oh, I can become that, right? She talks mm -hmm. about that a little bit at the start. Like she likes being a hairdresser because life advice stories, people come and go, right? It's very busy. So maybe with Olivia and the barista, it's because they showed her kindness, she wanted to inhabit them, right? The first lady does not seem to fit that mold, right? Because that, that one doesn't – that one feels more like a cold open kill. And by the end of the movie, yeah. it doesn't feel like it fits as much. The other thing when well, you're yeah, in the hair dungeon is you're like, she's been doing this for possibly a long time. Yeah. So where well, has she I been hunting like, before? To me, the first kill is meant to just sort of desensitize us to it all. Because, like – Again, I can honestly say this is one of the first real scalpings I've seen on in a movie, like straight up. Um, the the subtle yeah. brutality of that opening really wow. I mean, that's when I text you. It was like ten minutes into the movie, I'm like, Oh yeah, we're doing this for sure. Yeah. Like I knew with that opening scene, I'm like, Yeah. They got yeah, exactly what we're ours. looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like again it's not it's not it's graphic and scary, but not in a kind of like gross way right like a lot no. of the movies that do the splatter and gore it's like eh. this one felt i mean to me it's i don't know natural. terrifyingly surgical that's what it was like Ugh. it's this would also creep me out because the the lady's massaging her hair and doing the shampoo i remember once i went to this this salon and they had what seemed like their their <laughs> their business model seemed to be like hand job adjacent Right? Have you ever been to one of these where it's like, do you want to come in the back and get massaged and like scalp like all these things that I'm like, no, I want my haircut. I'm at a haircutting place. Like, oh, do you right. want the the vibrating massage and the the water water lube on your hair? And I was like, what is happening? And they took me back. I think it was called Sports Clip, and they took me back to the MVP lounge, and I was like, oh my god. It's like my wife and kids are in the lobby. What's going on? And it it's weirdly too intimate and weird. And also when I had my neck on that sink, I was like, if any of these hairstylists know karate, you could commit like neck breaks all day. Absolutely. Like that sink is just a final destination scene waiting to happen. But it's it yes. is, it's it's weirdly intimate and and fucking scary. 
And they nailed that yes. in that opening a lot. <laughs> I agree. Not I to think derail that's us like with business thing. models and stuff. No, but you're right. Like I think that the <laughs> the intimacy of the intimacy of one's hair. Like again, I have a wife who's very into her hair, and she's very like the upkeep's very in, important to her. And I also have long hair, and I don't. Know, but my wife, mm. women's hair is just quite frankly, it's different. And so like my wife's hair is very important to her, and like I could not imagine. Like I don't want her to go. Like I don't want her to ever go see a stylist again for this because of this movie. I'm like no way. Do you know how much they charge my wife to get her hair cut? It's insane. And her appointments are like five hours long. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. And then imagine at the the end of it, you're just getting murdered. (laughs) That's the level of intimacy. You have five hours to sit and learn. You're letting someone touch your head. Like, I don't like anyone other than my wife, like, even like rubbing my shoulder. But like someone is literally sitting there and oh, touching there's your certain, head. There are certain uh, acts of amour that I don't partake in, right? Not to be crude, I don't know who I was listening, but you're like, I don't let one of my two delicates into her mouth because I was like, humans are predators. And I remember my wife. We started dating as teenagers. She's like, No, I'm not. And I'm like, What if you sneeze? Then you've just eaten a part of me, and I'm gone for like it freaks me out. I was like, Humans have predator teeth. Like, I don't want to, I don't know, but, like, I think it's crazy that, like, I see these guys that get those straight razor shaves, oh and my I was like, God. you're just no asking way. someone to kill you on accident. Every single time. This is, like, it's go, It's the it's the same edict <laughs> I have about, like, going on cruises and all these other things. I'm like, name me a movie where you saw something that that didn't end badly, okay? Yeah. The last movie yeah. I saw where someone had a straight razor was Sweeney Todd, and all those motherfuckers died. And got stabbed in the neck. <laughs> Not worth it. And they was pies. They was pies. They yeah. motherfucking and they made to turn pie into pies. Yeah, okay. I will say this, though, because we're saying those three kills don't add up. There, is, You brought up the really good point that there could have been four hours of hair appointment before that kill. <laughs> so for four hours, she could have been listening to this commuter and then been like, that's it. I'm getting the wine. <laughs> like, it's over for you. <laughs> But again, she kills him at her place of work. That's an interesting point, though. Yeah. That's an interesting point. (laughs) This movie also had uh, it it triggered one of my bugaboos. I don't know if you ever think about this, but it's one of the things that drives me the most nuts about watching serial killer movies is imagining the cleanup. And when she killed the barista on that little circle, Matt, right? We used to have those at the bars I worked at. And I was like. She's never getting all that blood. No way. Nope. <laughs> and like, it drove me insane. I was like, I, I imagine how much work it would be to clean up crime scenes. And I'm like, that's enough for me to not serial kill. Like Andrea, that seems Andrea so stressful. Used to work, Andrea used to work <laughs> at a cafe in Midtown. Griffey and I used to go there a lot for breakfast and for coffee. That place is very trendy. Someone got stabbed and murdered there. So trendy. That, that blood's never coming out of everything. Not a chance. Well, no, I'd be like, well, I have to burn it down because I'm not going to be fucking swiffering this for eight hours. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, you burn the place but down. No, again, I derailed us five times from our super deep conversation about <laughs> hair peeling. But, but no, okay. But, okay. But you made a good point, though. The intimacy, uh, like to your point about the intimacy of doing hair, touching someone's hair. And you do spend a lot of time with that person. You spend a lot of time. You spend like yeah. four hours, like you said spending time with that person telling them about your life because people for some reason just become motor mouths when they're talking about when they're sitting there like you're just sitting there for hours you gotta talk to somebody and 
maybe this is the thing about Claire is she feels intimate with these people until the end. When it becomes transactional, that's when it becomes less about her trying to connect with someone, more her trying to disconnect that person from their headpiece. Oh, damn. Because I like my brother's obsessed. He gets his haircut every fucking week. Right. My mother's fiance, he drives all the way to Indianapolis, like two hours each way to get his haircut once or twice a week. Like he's really into getting his haircut, but cutting his hair takes probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Right. And like when I get my haircut, I don't talk. I'm afraid I'm going to like, because obviously I'm uproariously funny. I'm afraid I'm going to bust my, uh, my hair ladies, you know, guts. You go, ah! <laughs> and next thing you know, my ears chopped off. I can't be living with that. I did get a piece of my I did get a piece of my ear cut off when I was a kid. No shit. Scarred me. Oh yes. <laughs> I swear to God. I wonder if they do that shit on purpose sometime. I swear to God, it was a Noblesville. I got like I you're got, just like, getting stabbed. hit on for like the eighteenth time that day and they're like <laughs> just fucking get them. <laughs> but no, I think I, there is a, a thing because my wife, like, she knows her hairstylist life story, their friends online. Like yep. they talk. Because she's there for like four to six hours. It, I mean, it, it is a different dynamic. Um, let's get back yeah. to another thing about the the Claire selection that I thought was strange. They were doing the the De Palma two shots a lot, not like yeah. foreground background, right? But there was a lot of Claire existing in one space and mm -hmm. Olivia in another side by side. No, there's shots, a lot of right? cool split screen going on. Yeah, that to me was because it starts off very strangers on a train, right? Like. Ah, uh -huh. uh, the black shoes and the brown shoes walking towards each other right on the platform. Right. By the end, I didn't know if it was that. I was like, is that the moment? Because that's after they start texting and she needs a hair emergency. Is that her beginning to imagine what it would be like to be in Olivia's shoes? What do you let me just get your take on this in general, right? So her split screen with Olivia, her constant texting of Olivia, because that's one of the things the movie showed I I liked. And I don't know if that sways me towards her real personality was her struggling to write the text because we all do that. Yes. Uh, I think it's funny that serial killers would do that, too. <laughs> so the texting Olivia, the recording Olivia, the split screen with Olivia. What do you think this tells you about Claire's mindset in her hunting and or selection process as you referred to it? I mean, to me, this is what someone who doesn't understand what intimacy is. This is how they become intimate with someone like the way she collects people's the way she collects people's scalps is much the same. Someone would collect like you sit there in the chair, you tell them your life story and then you get up and turn it into a transaction. She's prolonging that part of the like when so here like the first like when uh, Olivia comes in and gets her hair done like she's like sits down, they do the hair. She extends the transaction. She extends the time she's in the chair, so to speak, by saying, like, come over to my house. Come over to my house. We'll do it in the dress and oh, that kind of thing. Like, so you she, think if she doesn't do that, she keeps it as like a, a, a you know, mercantile relationship. She, keeps, she doesn't get got. Well, to me, it's the I mean, if you're going to find a rule that maybe Claire might live by, it's that. Until the job's done, the job's not done. So, like, she waits until the, okay. you know, she waits until the wedding. But, like, every single time she sees Olivia, every time she texts, it becomes more personable, becomes less transactional. 
And then finally, when she confronts her on the like in the parking lot, that's when it starts. Oh to my god! In the parking structure, ooh. Again, now that's let me what, get let me say this me. very clearly. Yeah, for those Starts in the back, let me reiterate this, screaming at the top of my lungs. That's the kind of shit this movie does that is way fucking scarier than someone stabbing and maiming. When oh she shows up there, the amount that I wanted to turn the movie off increased by 10,000%. Because her <laughs> trying to be a, a real boy or a real, like, Pinocchio. Hey, no, Pinocchio, I just very don't Pinocchio. Yeah, when she goes full Pinocchio, and you see Brea Grant just crawling inside of her like, the fuck have I done? Because we've all yeah. been there, too. We've been on either side of that. Granted, I've never, like, shown up like a creepy uh, John Cusack Pinocchio at someone's place of work, but it is <laughs> so horrendous. And it's... I think it's even worse because it's so bad, and Claire tries to save it by apology. It's not <laughs> when Brea Grant just goes, don't be this way on Saturday. It yeah. was. That's even worse. Like, ugh. I still need you. Because that that's be actual bitch. human devastation. But no, that's what I'm. Yes. That's a scene of real human devastation, right? We've all mm -hmm. imagined being stabbed to death or killed or whatever, right? That's scary. There is a, a waking trauma to moments like that that I think we all feel on a much deeper level in our soul. Because you're like, fuck. If she stabs me in the face like the barista, I'm done, right? I get stabbed 15 times and I'm dead and I become trash in a wig. Fine. Right. Right? If I talk to someone and they shit on me so horribly and are like, you're not a real boy, go away, don't be who you are, I have to carry that for the rest of my fucking life. That could be 50 <sighs> to 60 years of carrying that. And again, that... And, and that also, the other thing I like, too, is her trying to be a Pinocchio becomes even more horrifying in this movie because we've seen the the killings, right? So even her trying and yearning to be better, you, you know the inevitable outcome of all of this, I feel like, right? That the ending of this movie was beautiful and shocking and horrifying to watch. Yeah. But I don't think there was a second in the movie where I didn't know exactly what the last shot of the film would be. I think that's the best and it part still about works the movie, actually. Amazingly. Yeah. It's it's a, incredible to me that I got, yeah, like, I think by, I don't know, like, by the time she wa arrives with that bottle of Merlot, you're pretty sure how this is all going to go down. And mm. you get closer, and you're like, yeah, I know. And then that last shot comes up, and it's just... There's like these master strokes in these smaller independent movies that you're kind of like, like I watched Nomadland, for instance, this Cl that Chloe Zhao movie that's out. And I had sort of the same feeling I got. Like there's just scenes where you understand that this person is constructing this moment in a way that isn't necessarily how you imagine it happening, but it's so much worse and more chaotic in your mind. And you realize like the reason this person wrote this movie, directed this movie, created this character, created these people, is because this is all it was leading towards. This perfect summation of the story itself, and it's horrifying. That actually might be infinitely oh, yeah. more scary than the rooftop scene is when the fucking veil comes up and she's literally, you're just like, I knew it was coming, I was still like, my mouth was open. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but see, you know what's really strange, right? 
is that moment to me was almost like a sigh of relief. (laughs) (laughs) And that sounds really weird. But hear me out. Because the movie does this thing where it's nonstop, right? So she tells her to stop being Pinocchio on the roof. She then breaks into her house, right? When she calls her and wants to apologize and the fiance answers, you're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, you want to hang that phone up for her. And then she's like, you don't even see her. Right? And you're like, this is bad. This is not good. And then you're like, she breaks into their house. You're like, all right, she's going to kill her at her house. I know she's going to kill her house. She tries on her clothes. She tries to ride the waves as Olivia. Not tries, but she does, right? She's interrupted, right? The girl interrupted. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. She she even covers up the fiance's face. Like, maybe she's thinking. And that's the weird thing. You're like, oh, she's. She's uh, vibrating to Olivia. You're like, no, she's vibrating to the thought that she is Olivia and she's going to leave that guy. Oh, and so it's just this. And you're like, oh, fuck, she probably left her clothes in there. She smashed that bottle. So it's just so much stress building up. Then she shows up and tells him, do you see her? We know she's at the church. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. She does the little girl's hair. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's like a Frankenstein scene, right? You're like, she's going to fucking slaughter this little girl and. You're like, she going to wear the flower girl down? No, no, they would never do that to me. And when you finally see that she just killed Brea Grant, you're like, oh, thank God. Right? That, is the, that is the weirdest thing about okay. this. Is I literally just went, oh, finally. You get to that moment, you go, oh, thank God. And then she's smiling and she turns to the little flower girl. The flower girl's like, yes, smiling back. I'm like, no, yes. no, this is horrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, not you too. <laughs> Welcome to the dungeon. <laughs> oh no, Stylus 2 with the Dungeon Girls. Oh, and that little girl had the most beautiful hair. So they kept doing oh these things God. that were like prolonging the inevitable. And you just kept saying to yourself, how much worse is this going to get? How much more? Because again, the slicing is one thing. Those moments of human living carnage, like the phone call. When her fiance has to answer because she's now that person. That is really intense, man. So it was, it was awesome. Uh, let's walk through this very ending though a little bit because, oh, that was the other thing I noticed too. Uh, when she went back down to the hair dungeon right before she does this, I love how I was like, she just has a massive crowbar lying around. I was like, as an owner of two crowbars, that's a very specific thing. You need to go out and get like, those were not just something I had around. She's ripped that lock (laughs) off a bunch of times. Yeah. No, this Uh, has happened a lot. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Uh, so at the end. There's kind of a cool inversion on the will you see her when she asks yeah. the fiance, will you see her, right? She's doing the hair. Everything seems to be smoothed over. She goes outside and sees an actual nice caring moment between bride and groom. Yep. And when she comes down the aisle, they actually shoot Brea Grant in these moments, which I thought was kind of a cool choice because we know what's under that veil. The way they're shooting it, not right on her face. We know exactly what's yeah. happening, right? Uh-huh. Why shoot Brea Grant under that veil, right? Because the first one who sees is the fiance. He's not seeing Brea Grant, right? She asked if he would see her. He didn't, yeah. right? So we know he was a liar and he would have been a no good two-time two and son of a gun anyways. Um, But why show her as Brea Grant? Is that just showing us her illusion? I think that's her illusion, yeah. Like that to me is the. Th- that to me is a metamorphosis, man. 
that to me is like what she's been gunning for the whole time. She's found the perfect host for herself. Oh my god. The the weirdest thing about that final scene, right? Besides the shooting Brea Graham, which I'm like, okay, so she's realizing her own goals. The way people react in that moment is insane. Because, you know, I'm not wow. like a John Wick, but the first thing I'm doing is throwing haymakers. Like, I'm yeah. just going to start punching anything that moves around me. So I'm like, the pod people are here. Like, I would be so alarmed. But the fiance waits almost, it feels like five minutes. Almost it's a probably like minute. a minute of movie time. Yeah. And then he just does the, hold me back, bro. And I was like, <laughs> and everyone just backs away. They run in the other room and cry. They run. No one rushes her. And she sits there, no, and this is yeah. one of the, this is one of the moments where she just crushes, right? Uh, Naharja, oh Nahara, Nahara. I think it's Najara. I've decided is... it's Najara. Najara, Najara Pinocchio Claire. <laughs> so she's standing there on the stage. She's so fucking good. She deserves me to know her. Oh how my to god, she's, so, she's good. so fucking good. Shame on me. Five lashes. But Scalping when she myself. sits there and she is smiling, right? She has become the bride. Uh, she has found the one that she wants to be. This is probably the first time she's done the hair in public. Granted, she's seen herself on a wanted poster, so she knows the jigs up. Yeah. When she sits there and she's smiling, and then she looks out, and slowly the facade crumbles. Yeah. It is. You almost can't let them rush her, right? Because the real in the real world, yeah. she's getting stomped. In the real world, yeah. she's getting stomped up. But Absolutely. You can't interrupt that amazing acting. And this is the moment because so great. when she stares down the barrel for the last frame, right? Is that the only true moment we see when all the illusions are crushed? Mm, could be, man. Could be. I would say yes. Who knows? Why not, you know? I mean, it's... It's hard. It's I mean, it's terrifying. just so raw. That, that performance yeah. is so fucking raw in that last shot. Yeah. It's so, unbelievable. Yeah, it's very, very pure. It's just that last shot particularly is so like, I'm so glad they didn't do what we're talking about, which is this real world response. Like, what the fuck? Fuck this. And just like well, throwing... movies aren't the real world. I get it. <laughs> In but a Griffey family like... wedding, people get punched before the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like the best part is that it exists. And who knows? This all might be taking pl that whole scene because it's shot behind her head. Maybe the whole thing's happening in her mind, anyways. Maybe she is getting fucking laid out in front of the you know God. Or maybe and she never did it. Maybe she. Or maybe never she done never did it. did it. Who knows, man? I think but she. Like, I think she done did it. Oh, she definitely did it. Sorry. Yes, she one hundred percent did it. <laughs> but, but like even so... the movie, right? There was a scene where she's watching Olivia run, right? Mm hmm. She's in these bright yellow outfits for most of the movie. She has very lovely red hair. Really beautiful red the hair. The bench yeah. she's sitting on is like a an annoying color that you're like, no benches are that color. Right. And the, the color explosions in this movie, right? Her outfits are often yellow. That's a color of madness, I remember. They say if you like paint a room yellow and leave someone in it and they can't escape, they'll go insane from the yellow, right? So the yellows, the bright reds, the vibrance, there's almost a, a feeling of surrealism through a lot of these shots because the insanely saturated color, like the coffee shop felt was this, all red, I think. The bathroom scene where she like hides in the, not the bathroom at the apartment, but the bathroom at the club when her she overhears the girls talking about mm -hmm. her. I was like, what bathroom is this? What, what bathroom is lit this way? It is impressively. 
I mean, it's it's very The Shining mixed with the Red Lodge or, or the Black Lodge. I was, the, the whole time I was like, oh, I see we're neon demoning <laughs> this part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it was maybe, fine. But that's it what I mean, right? They throw because we can never settle on Claire. Mm-hmm. Because the colors seem false. Like in that scene, right? Just her watching Claire run. I don't even know. Or Claire watching Olivia run. I don't even know if that really happened. Is Olivia even there? Is Claire just imagining this? And this gets back to, there's a point, right? That is one of the most brilliant. When her and Brea Grant have the thing at the end and she starts crying. She's like, I have to tell you something. It's like, oh man, is she going to tell her the plan and then stab her in the face like the barista? And Claire says, I don't really jog. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, What? I was like, what a fucking screenwriting moment. What a cool bit. Why that line, Alex? That's a good one. Why that line? That line. I mean, there's so many ways you can go with it in a script, you know? There's so many bit, And there's something about that that is oddly more devastating than, like, I don't know, the Mm. other, like, I killed a bunch of people or I really love you or, like, trying to kiss her. Any of the awkward, like, awkward, strange things you could do just sobbing uncontrollably and simply saying i don't jog oh my (laughs) god man like i would never in a million years have thought that that would that that would be the thing to write down and it's like that's stroke of genius writing right there man that's the but that's what i mean right that that to me is like we talked about this when uh suicide squad came out and my argument is always Jared Leto's the worst Joker because he doesn't play the Joker. He, to me, he plays right. someone cosplaying the Joker, right? right? And I was like, the difference between the Joker and what Jared Leto's doing is I don't jog versus, hey, look, I got deranged tattooed on my forehead so everyone <laughs> will know, yeah. right? It's like that's that's a real that is the moment of madness. That's a real moment yeah. of depravity. And it's almost as if I don't want to lie to you because it will sour the skin that I'm about to inhabit. I don't want to lie to myself, which is about to be in you. <laughs> it might be my favorite subtextual utterance in a, in a movie ever. Like, dripping, drowning in subtext. Perfect. It's I can't believe I un- almost forgot to mention that, but oh. I'm so glad you brought it up. I completely forgot about it. It is otherworldly writing. Like I could never think to yeah. come up with something like that. And it's otherworldly, earth-shatteringly awesome screenwriting that's delivered pitch perfect. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable yeah. moment in a great movie. Yeah. Well, that's another one of those you're like, oh, for sure she's killing her now. Like 1,000%. <laughs> and then the next thing I see is the the, the bride's dress from the floor up yeah she did she she yeah. Oh, yeah. she jogged your what? ass to the grave is what she did <laughs> what do we got tight shuts on the flowers oh yeah she's dead yeah. yeah i don't jog but i'm about to dog walk you to the afterlife <laughs> it was so it's just 100 like oh she's she's crossed the threshold she's all the way insane but again oh, yeah. i i think i think what we've asked a million times right is who is claire in this movie and is there a moment of truth in anything she does and i think just to wrap the movie up man i just come back to i think that claire in a weird way well there may not be a claire right there's certainly not like a singular claire i think with a lot of serial killers you say it's like the not to go back to batman right but 
Bruce Wayne is the mask. Batman is who he is. And all consumed, I will fight crime by spreading misery and terror as much as I can, right? That is a right. one singular character, right? The Bruce Wayne is a mask. It's not really a part of the character very often. Claire, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if it's the Batman or the Bruce Wayne. I, I don't know what is the real. Because to your point, she's not a, a super meticulous planned out predator. No. Right? But there's something extra to the kills that's not just a scavenger. And it's that ceremonial. yearning to want to stop, is that true or is that just her being... I just want to be anyone else. Like that could be. I don't know where I said. I think in that last shot, when she thinks she's found the perfect host to be out in public, and then we see it in her eyes, that even that just led to more misery. I think maybe that last second's the only real Claire, or the realist, the realist Claire. That and her. I could have done it now. What do you think? Final final thoughts on uh, the stylist. What a movie! God damn. It's rare you get to come across like low budget movies like this, and just like smaller movies that don't necessarily are aren't like gonna get thrown on your radar. I'm so glad this one came across because this movie is so, especially right now, like so unique to the story of loneliness and how we all tolerate it and how we deal with it. And then, you know, yeah. then you get some extra head scalping action and you get to go on this very bizarre, terrifying journey with this woman who just, you don't know if you've ever met the real, like that's the real trick of the movie. You don't know who you've met. If that's a real, if that's the real Claire, if you've ever met the real Claire and it's just, uh, you just got to see. Would yourself. you want to meet like, the real Claire? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You just it's yeah. such a it's such a fun watch. It's it's, a fun it's watch. still it that's what I love about the movie is it it just gets so much for what it is, right? It gets maximum effect. A lot like we talk it's very still, a lot of it's just long shots on tripod. The camera's not flying around. It doesn't have to push into an eyeball, you know, for artistic effect. It's just right. letting the actors fucking crush it. And just telling you a really harrowing descent into some of the darkest shit that a person can experience. I don't know. I As soon as I, I'm telling you, like, right after that first head scalp, I'm like, this is a movie for us. We have to cover it. And uh, the rest absolutely. of the movie absolutely lived up to it. It was a – and especially for a debut feature, it is a fucking stunning achievement. Yeah. Um, what a stunner. Nahara – Najara, Nahara, no, no, I'm gonna right. say Who Nahara. Do we have? Grant, Nahara Townsend, Grant, Nahara Townsend, Sarah McGuire, Laura Kirk, Jill Gavargisian, Jill Gavargisian. I don't know how Jill to say names. I'm Middle Eastern. What I should a, know how to say man, exotic wow. sounding names. But um, unbelievable fucking work here. This movie is an absolute stunner. All right, guys, that's it from us uh, for the stylist. Do yourself a favor. Uh, as of yesterday, March 1st, this movie is available, video on demand everywhere. I promise you guys you're going to want to purchase this and watch it a couple times. It will be money well spent. It's an absolutely delightful, if not horrifying, way to spend your time. 
Uh, Film Alchemist approved. We fucking loved it. Stamped. Um, all right, guys, approved. that's enough. Remember, leave those rating and reviews. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Uh, find us on all the social media you're on. Email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. And again, give your money to the stylist. All right, guys, we'll be back. This is the month of March Madness. Thursday, we're beginning our descent into the world of basketball via Teen Wolf. Oh, cool, man.